Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, July 10th. I'm Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me today are Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the U.S. Jeremy, you have quite a bit of turmoil going on on your side of the pond. It is, as they say, a right royal mess over here at the moment. Um, as people have probably seen as a result of the uh, the Brexit cabinet meeting, uh, which took place last Friday, uh, it's left uh, Prime Minister Theresa, Mo- Theresa May in complete chaos, really. Uh, she's lost uh, both her foreign secretary, she's lost her Brexit secretary, and there's a real question mark now as to whether or not this government's going to be able to survive, survive, or certainly whether or not she'll be able to maintain her place as uh, Prime Minister and leadership of the Tory party. Obviously, it all comes down to these huge divisions um, over Brexit. To be perfectly honest, I think the outcome from a political angle from last Friday is no real surprise. These divisions have been gradually widening for the best part of a couple of years now. And indeed, we could probably take it back even further than that. But it does mean we're left with um, what some people are trying to make out to be a lame duck prime minister. So I suppose it's it's always useful to try and look at the other side of this. As things currently stand, I mean, say there is a lot of speculation that the the so-called Brexiteers in the Conservative Party will want to launch some kind of leadership challenge against Mrs May in order to prevent her new proposal for how the UK is going to deal with trade arrangements and everything else to do with Brexit from going through to, uh, to be accepted, if indeed it will be, and it probably won't, but anyway, to go through to the European Commission. Um, to do, if they were to do that, they'd need to secure at least 48 uh, votes to challenge Theresa May from within the Tory party. That's certainly not guaranteed. And indeed, they'd need a whole 159 votes of the 316 Tories um, if they'll actually get rid of her altogether. So it's a bit of a, you know, a, a tight challenge at the moment. And the thing which is working in her favour in many ways is you know, her weakness is also her strength. It's important to remember that since the last election, Mrs May is working without a majority in the House of Commons. So it could well be if there were a challenge to her leadership, not only would it be a challenge to the leadership, but also pull the government down. And that result in an early general election. And then certainly there's a real chance that we could see a Labour government coming in. So it's an extremely volatile volatile time for UK politics. And obviously that swings into the market side of it as well. From the market viewpoint, I think you know, from the way the pound's been reacting, it's, it really doesn't know quite what to do at the moment. On the positive side, now that Theresa May has got rid of her two main, if you like, pro-Brexit cabinet ministers, it makes the, uh, the chances of a soft Brexit, which of course is what investors and financial industry and indeed industry in general wants to see, that little bit more likely. However, were we to see the government fall and the Labour government come in, then that would certainly be potentially at least very bad news um, for the pound and certainly upset financial markets in general. So bottom line, I suppose, is say expect continued volatility and simply keep an eye on because this has still got some way to run yet. Um, away from the politics of note, I should mention we had uh, earlier on this morning, UK time, we had the first release um, of UK monthly GDP. That was for May. 
It showed a 0.3% monthly increase, um, which kind of suggests, I suppose, we're on course for something like a 0.3 or 0.4% quarter-on-quarter rate of increase for GDP in the second quarter. If we were to see that, then it sort of leaves a bit of an open case, I think, as far as Yorker's Monetary Policy Committee meeting is concerned. There's still a lot of speculation that we could see interest rates going up then. But um, say 0.3% GDP is not really that great. And obviously, with this um, volatile political backdrop, now it may mean that the Bank of England wants to err on the side of caution. So at this stage, um, I think you know the, the August MPC call is pretty well 50-50. Um, as far as the uh, eurozone is concerned, uh, main focus really this week is going to be Thursday when we'll get the industrial production figures for May. On the basis of what we know from some of the countries, that looks like it's going to be pretty good, probably up more than 1%, I suspect, on a month-on-month basis. But that's going to follow, subject to revisions, a near 1% drop in April. So don't get too too excited about that. Quarterly GDP growth for the eurozone is still looking around about 04 0.5% on a quarter-on-quarter basis. So, what, 1.6 to 2% annualised, really still nothing to write home about. Also on Thursday, as I mentioned, we'll get the minutes of a June ECB meeting. And of course, they announced uh, the QE tapering that they're still hoping to do over the final months of this year. Whether or not that can happen, of course, will depend upon the outturn for inflation going forward. And that remains uh, very uncertain at this stage. So um, keep an eye on that. That's my lot. Thank you, Jeremy. Oh, oh I have a question. Uh, yep. And this is Mark. Hey, Jeremy. Um, the original uh, Brexit vote, uh, that was a couple years back. Um, is the current uh, plan that uh, Theresa May is putting forward, is there uh, any way to test that against the, uh, what, what was intended, uh, uh, what the electorate, uh, in, you know, what they said, how they voted? Is it, is it too watered down what she's doing uh, right now? Well, let me just give you, say, perhaps about three sentences on this thing. Right. In terms of what actually came out of the, the meeting at Chequers at the Brexit meeting on Friday, just to quickly quote, UK is committed to continued harmonisation with EU rules for all goods traded with the EU, avoiding friction at the UK-EU border, including Northern Ireland. Parliament will oversee the UK's trade policy and have the ability to choose to diverge from EU rules, recognising that this would have consequences. Cooperative arrangements will be established between EU and UK competition regulators. Different arrangements will be organised for services, where it is our interest to have a regulatory flexibility. Now, all that sort of thing means that we're still trying to go for this cherry-picking thing where we'll have the good bits of the customs union that we want and we'll ignore the bits we don't like. So, in terms of, you know, but the short answer to your question is no, this is very much a watered-down Brexit, which is why the Brexiteers don't want it. But more than that, you know, the big issue, I think, you know, when, when the this um, communique first came out on Friday, the general interpretation was that probably the EU wouldn't like it anyway and will start to want to make changes. So even if Mrs May can get her parliamentary, can get parliamentary support for it, and there's a big question mark over that, it may be sort of, you know, dead in the water even before it comes out of the House of Commons. Well, I guess one of the, the, the you call them Brexiteers. Um, is this, though, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, a voting plurality, a voting majority who would support uh, Boris uh, and uh, uh, what's going on right now? Well, it's a, it's a real problem. At the moment, I think if you looked at Parliament as a whole, um, the vote would probably be, yes, in favour of you know, the Withdrawal Act going through. 
and so we will leave um, the European Union. But there are still so these massive divisions. It's not just on the Conservative side, it's on the Labour Party side as well, the main opposition party, as to what Brexit should actually look like. And you know, there's, the discussions at the moment appear to be that you've got the Remainers, you know, people from uh, who want to actually remain in the European Union within Mrs May's team, actually talking with the Labour Party, the opposition party Remainers, to see whether or not they've got enough votes to make sure this thing goes ahead. So it's a whole polarisation, not just you know within individual parties, but between parties as well. So I mean, no, it really is but, anyone's guess as how this is going to pan out. But there's no talk of it returning to the electorate? Well, um, there's still this sort of, you know, if you like, the elephant in the room, which not supposed to talk about, which is a possibility of a second referendum. As things currently stand, the current prime minister, while she's still around, says there's no second Brexit. Se- no, sorry, no second referendum. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn, the head of a Labour Party, has also said no second referendum. However, you know, sort of bubbling away underneath the surface, there's more and more people suggesting, well, look, this is too big an issue just to go by what was said a couple of years ago. We need to have a second vote. So at the moment, you've got to say it looks unlikely, but it's certainly not impossible. Mm-hmm. Mark, yes. shifting over to the side of the pond. Yes. <laughs> we, <laughs> we had a, <laughs> a very good employment report on Friday. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, we're, let's paddle over to the side of the pond. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it was an excellent report. Uh, uh, payroll growth was very strong. Um, the real uh, might of the report comes from a half million uh, new people who uh, say they're actively lo- looking for work, uh, 6.6 million now. That's a, a very large one-month jump. Now, that jump is what lifted the unemployment rate uh, to tens to 4%, which is actually very, very good news. Uh, and this is what Jerome Powell, uh, and taking a page from Janet Yellen, of uh, – you know, uh, inter- you know, uh, stress the importance of bringing in uh, discouraged workers, marginalized workers who uh, don't think that they really have a chance. But now today, uh, Tuesday, uh, July 10th, we had the JOLTS report. Now, this is a complimentary uh, report. It's also produced by the Labor Department. It lags by a month, but it's uh, it's it uses all the same, you know, inputs or uh, and stuff. And if you look at the number that we saw today in the JOLTS report, um, let me just get down uh, sliding here on my economy calendar, and they came in at 6.6, 6.638 million. Now, this uh, first popped over, the number of job openings first popped over uh, uh, the number of unemployed a couple of months back. And that's that's one big factor that's pulling in discouraged workers now because uh, there's uh, so many openings that, that can't be filled. And um, not only is it good for the economy, isn't it good for America to have more people uh, employed, but it also has a, a, a significant policy uh, implication for the Federal Reserve because it will uh, hold off uh, inflationary worries, wage pressure, uh, wage push uh, uh, pressures, even though some say that that's a theoretical uh, a risk. Uh, it, it may not be a theoretical risk. And when you have more people coming into the labor force, uh, that should water down the wage pressure. So this was really one of the best reports uh, in memory for me. Uh, you, you have uh, strong payroll growth, uh, well over 200,000. Uh, at the same time, you have a half a million new people uh, actively looking for work. And, um, and it was just uh, it, it right now, 
uh, as far as what you want, like the Goldilocks economy, and this is going to be uh, better growth uh, without inflation. Mark, what about the wage data? Well, and it was uh, yeah, exactly, and, and it's seen in the wage uh, data a lack of uh, of immediate pressures, uh, really kind of flatlining. Uh, small uh, monthly uh, gain, I think it was 0.2 percent. Let me just confirm. It was on my account of day. I think it was 0.2 percent, which was uh, uh, at the low end of um, a consensus range. And the uh, year-on-year rate, which is very, very closely watched, is is kind of the the guidepost. Uh, It was unchanged at 2.7 percent. So what you're getting now is you're getting a lot more people uh, getting jobs, 213,000 payroll jobs. And at the same time, you're getting uh, no acceleration in wages. So uh, it is a very positive. And this week, we're going to get inflationary data uh, culminating on Friday with the consumer price report. And that has not really shown any pressure at all. There has been pressures uh, uh, in the producer level and in the import level. This has been tied to fuel and also tariffs. Uh, uh, steel on steel and aluminum, but uh, right now businesses are absorbing these, and so uh, uh, that with uh, a lack of wage pressures uh, isn't going to turn up the heat on the Federal Reserve to raise rates, which is a very positive uh, for the stock market. Thank you, Mark. Tomorrow, Wednesday, the Bank of Canada will announce its latest monetary policy decision. It is expected by most to increase its policy rate by 25 basis points to 1.5%. At its last meeting on May 30th, the BOC stated that developments since the April meeting had reinforced the view that higher rates would be warranted to keep inflation near its target range of 1% to 3% and the midpoint of 2%. Since then, however, trade tensions have escalated, with Canadian steel and aluminum exports facing tariffs and relations between the U.S. and Canada deteriorating. And the most and the majority of the recent Canada economic data also has underperformed expectations. But the underlying message is of an economy close to full capacity and growing in line with potential. And this merits a gradual pace of tightening, and a move seems due, with the last move having occurred back in January. And the fact that the U.S. economy is growing strongly, supported by fiscal stimulus, provides some offset for risks on trade going forward. And if we do see them hike on Wednesday... Um, do you think there'll be another increase before the end of the year, or is that it for 2018? I, I think it will be, quote, data dependent. <laughs> and oh, how does the, you know, the, the, the tariffs and the trade tensions with the U.S. Uh, play in here? Are the uh, Bank of Canada policymakers, or do, do they talk freely about this? Are they upfront about this? Uh, would this be the signal that they would want to, uh, to, uh, to send? Uh, raising rates at this time? No, at least not before tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Till next week. <laughs>